Nice deep breath in. And release. Phew. Can't see. This, my friends, is called a half-hewn stone. Excuse me. I'm going to be sniffling the whole time. So a half-hewn stone is polished and beautiful on one side and rough and raw on the other side. And if you don't have one of these half-hewn stones, and you can find them in all different kinds of rock shops and places, it's a good idea to put one in your house. And it's a good idea to put one in your house because it reminds you of the state that you are in. Because all of us are just like this half-hewn stone. All of us have one part of ourselves that we've polished up and made beautiful and pretty and that the world can, that's usually the part we show to the world. And then we have this other side that we keep hidden because we don't think it's beautiful. We don't think it's pretty enough. We, we are concerned we should be like this. This should be us. And we're doing our best to be this and ignoring the other part of ourselves. So today we're going to talk about the shadow self. We're going to talk about this part of ourselves and why it's so important that we love the beauty of this as much as we love the beauty of this. So let's start with this video. Yetzer Hara. That's a good word, isn't it? Yetzer Hara. Go ahead and say it. Yetzer Hara. Yetzer Hara is the shadow self. It's the part of ourself that we hide from ourselves. So, so we have two pieces of ourselves we should be aware of, and these are allegorical. It's you are not torn in half, I promise you. There's no alien inhabiting your body. But allegorically, we can understand who we are as humans by looking at different things in their separate positions. So we have our persona, which is who we are. And persona literally comes from a Latin word that means mask. We have our persona, our ego self, which is who we show to the world. It's who we say we are. When someone says, what do you do for a living? It's who we say we are. It's who we want others to say we are, how we want them to describe us. Your persona is made up of the things that you want people to see. I'm compassionate. I am generous. I am kind. I am strong. I'm hardworking. <clears throat> Any of those things that you take pride in, that you hope will go on your gravestone, those are persona things. And our persona is in our conscious mind. It's who we choose, actively choose, in our conscious mind to be. Our persona has been being formed since we were very young. When our parents said, oh, good job. Oh, you're so sweet. Oh, what a nice hug. When we were reinforced for those things that we learned were what the world wanted to see from us, we would gain approval if the world got to see that side of us. Our shadow self, our yetzer hara, is all of the rest of it. So in the course of our lifetime, we've been told lots of things. 
we've gotten in fights with our siblings. And we've been told anger is not a good thing. Don't be angry. Be kind. Be nice. Do something with that anger. So we stuffed it into our unconscious because being angry is not an acceptable emotion. Mom, I want, I want, I want, I want. You can't want everything. Just wait, it will come to you. We once had a child come to our house for dinner. And he ate dinner, and we said, would you like some more? And he said, I can't have that because my mom said it's not okay to ask for seconds. What do you want? How much have you been told your want is not welcome? When our parents are trying to provide for us and we're children, and we want a pony, and we want a bicycle, and we want a $1,000 guitar and our parents don't have it, they often say things to us that teach us that want is not what, world, what our life is about. Our life is about earning. It's not about wanting. Get over your want and do something. We are often chastised for wanting to be in control, for choosing to be in control, or for controlling an environment. Because For us to be in control disempowers the person or the person feels disempowered based on our control. And sometimes our control methods can be a little manipulative, can't they? So many of us have learned that having control over a situation is not necessarily the part. We don't want people to say, oh yeah, she was great. She was really controlling. Back in the subconscious. Lust. Oh my God, we're American. We're not allowed to acknowledge lust. This is not supposed to happen. Men, this happens to you. If it's not your mom, it's your wife or your girlfriend who says, hey, stop looking at that girl. I'm still here. We learn that the natural biology, the natural way we're wired is not who we should be and not how we should act. So that needs to go in the subconscious too. My bag is getting full here. When I was in ninth grade, I had a teacher who said, you'll do really great in the world if you ever get your head out of the clouds. How was your creativity put away? When were you told that you can't, that's just your imagination? Oh, you want to be an artist? Put that away. Okay, that doesn't work. How about this one? How were you told that loving yourself was wrong? That you were selfish? All you think about is you? Self-love, unfortunately, often ends up being in the territory of the Yetzer Hara. We take these parts of ourself that society tells us are not acceptable and we bag them up. And we decide those are bad things. I'm going to put those away, far away. They no longer exist. They're not there anymore. You don't see them, do you? They're not affecting me at all. Hurts my arm a little bit. Not affecting me. I can carry this for the... What do you mean I need both hands? Running around without acknowledging this part of ourself is like living with one arm. 
we're operating from half of who we are. For the last many years in our country, we have spoken loudly and aggressively about political correctness. Are we, is it a PC thing that we're doing? When we're politically correct, we're, we're loving, we're accepting, we're inclusive. We're many things when we're being politically correct. What we're not doing is acknowledging the shadow because that has become not okay. So the shadow is pushed aside and we move forward showing the persona of who we are. Have we actually dealt with any of that? No. We have not pulled out the human part of us. We have not addressed our human emotions. What is real and true is every single person in this room has been angry with somebody somewhere sometime. What is really true is every single person in this room has deceived someone somewhere, somehow, sometime. What is really true is there's nothing that exists in one of us that doesn't exist in all of us because we're one. And our state of of violence, our state of aggression is as common to us as it is to the next person. There is only one of us with many faces and many expressions, but there is only one. And in that oneness, we, if we want things to be better, have to unpack the Yetzir Hara. When we recognize that the anger and the frustration and the fear lives in all of us, we can deal with it within ourselves. And it's not so scary when it shows up out there. It's pretty scary if you've never in your life had a sense that you just wanted to deck somebody. It's pretty hard to imagine someone else having that expression, having that feeling. But if you know something has driven you to that point, if you've never lost your temper with your child ever, it's very hard to imagine how someone else could do it. But if it's happened to you, you can easily see how it can happen to someone else. And the words that we need to say to someone who's responding in anger or fear are the words that we would say to the soft part of ourselves that we've put away. This this precious, precious side of ourself is really important to who we are. It's really important because within these things are qualities that allow us to make the world different. Yes, when I'm creative, am I a little bit bolder than maybe somebody else would be? Do I wear more flamboyant colors? Do I speak differently? Do I sing out loud in the grocery store? Who cares? Whatever your creativity is, it's where innovation lies. We need that, don't we? So let's take that out of the bag. Or at least know that this is where we keep it. Let's look at this one. Self-love. Truth, truth, truth. If you can't love yourself, you can't love somebody else. Self-love is an interesting thing. Self-love also carries the the fragrance of self-preservation. Self-love, attention to self, caring for self, 
will teach us how to take care of ourselves. It will teach us to value ourselves enough to be able to say no. No, I don't think I'll go there right now. I don't think it's safe for me. No, I'm not going to say that right now. Or maybe, yes, I am going to say that right now. Because I have the same rights as anybody else. Self-love is really valuable. Maybe we should at least acknowledge that it's on the dark side. Even if we don't take necessarily take it out of there. Our lust is our intimacy. It's our place of deepest connection. It's programmed in our being. Fighting it is, is, what's, is, is futile. That's, what, that's the word I was looking for. It's futile. It's part of who we are. And the more we fight it, the, the stronger it will try and come forward. And when it comes forward fighting, it comes forward in unhealthy ways. We see that in our society. When we take this out of the bag and we look at our lust and we recognize it and we embrace it as a natural part of who we are, we have no need to impose it on other people. Want. How many times have you said, I don't know what I want? I'm not happy, but I don't know what I want. I can't figure it out. That's because your want has been put out of commission. You've been told that wanting is wrong. Our want comes from the deepest part of who we are. We learn that when we're little bitty, we know what we want. And we know what we don't want. And we speak to that and we live into that. Wanting is is what we need to be clear about what we're creating in life. This is an important part of who we are. One thing you can always control is yourself. Obviously, we live in a collaborative, cooperative way. And we share our power. Sometimes you're in control, sometimes I'm in control, sometimes you're in control, sometimes someone else is in control, sometimes I'm in control again. Not having control is not an answer. Learning how to use it allows us to be proactive to make things happen in our lives. It also allows us to recognize each other's skills and talents and to learn to step back when someone with more skill and talent should be in control. All of these things that we put in this bag have purpose in our life. Our anger. Our anger allows us to make boundaries. Our anger tells us when we need boundaries. When we allow ourselves to have our anger and recognize our anger, we can say, no, no, that is not okay with me. And it's all right if that's not okay with me and it's not okay with you because now we know where we stand. And we can work on what we do about this. But pretending we're not angry takes the backbone out of our step. We find our, bank, our backbone there. And this will come up, and it will come up harshly because we've pushed it down so many times, and it's like a spring. It's eventually going to get away from us. This stuff that's in the shadow, 
is put there by our judgment. It's part of who we are. We are human beings, and real things are happening in our country right now. Many of the things that we've pushed down are rearing up in an unhealthy way. And we can only do so much to fix that. We fix it here first. We fix it by looking at, when am I angry? When am I biased? Where do I not accept? What, what do I try and control? We look at these things, and we figure out what the darkness in us is. And we love it, and we embrace it, and we bring it out of the closet. And we listen to it, and we talk to it. And sometimes we say to it, thank you so much for telling me that. It's all all right. Connie and I were talking about this today, that just because you think you want to run over somebody with your car doesn't mean you're really going to do it. You hear it in your head. Oh, okay. I hear you. Yeah, we thought that. Let's get on with it. Doesn't mean you're really going to do it, but you can't move through your life denying that it's there. Stevie, can you put that picture up? This um, is a physical sign of the Vesica Pisces. Are you familiar with the Vesica Pisces? It's two, when two circles come together and they create a space in the center. That's called the Vesica Pisces, and I just like this particular way of expressing it. Um, Vesica Pisces is actually a reference to what is called the bladder of the fish. And it's where the ichthus, the Christian ichthus, comes from. Uh, it's, the Vesica Pisces is a reference to the Christian ichthus. So I want you to think about how you see. If you have ever lost your sight, and I had this, if you've ever lost your sight in one eye, your ability to find things when you reach out to grab them is is upset. You can't find what you're reaching for. It looks like it's in a different place, no matter which eye you, you are seeing through. If you try to reach out and grab something, you'll find yourself off. We need both eyes to see, don't we? But we don't see double. We see one. The same is true for our shadow self and our persona when they come together. There are two sides of who we are, and the wholeness of us exists because they come together in that space that is called the bladder of the fish, the ichthus, in the center of ourselves. And that is what our Christian foundation teaches us. It teaches us balance. It doesn't teach us. Jesus didn't fail to turn over the tables in the temple, did he? Nor did he have any problem saying, sorry, gang, I'm out of here. I need a break. He was not a one-sided, great, generous, loving, compassionate being who never stepped out and took care of himself. Our Christian roots and unity is many things. It's built on a base of Christianity. Our Christian roots teach us this balance, that it is really important for us to embrace the shadow side. When we embrace the shadow side, we have the ability to reach out to other people who are living in the repressed shadow and to find the words to help them, to find ways to help. When we embrace our shadow selves, we, we stop saying, 
I can't understand how that could happen. And we actually feel how that could happen. And then we begin to heal that part of ourselves. And in a field, in a unified field of oneness, when we begin to heal those things in ourselves, we begin to heal them in the one field. So if you're wondering what to do now, begin at home. Begin by drawing on a piece of paper the Vesica Pisces. And on one side, write all the things that you would want people to say about you. And on the other side, write all the things you would never want anybody to say about you. And you'll have a very good idea of what's hidden in your dark side, in your shadow self. And then we begin the very hard process of looking at those aspects that we would never want anyone to say and figuring out where they exist within us. Because every time you get touched in a way that makes you angry, you've hit the shadow side. Every time you get touched in a way that makes you incredulous, how could that possibly happen? You've hit your own shadow side. It's the shadow that triggers us. So don't, don't go home and moan about how horrible things are. Go home and draw this map. Really look at what you keep in your shadow. Really begin to unpack that bag to see what good comes from what you keep there. What you regain as you unpack that bag. And you'll recover a part of yourself that allows you to cope with what's happening in our world in a much better way. We are not without anything to do. We can cultivate a field of spaciousness to do that in by learning to breathe between things, making space. <sighs> okay, one step back. I don't have to respond to this right this moment. Cultivate a field of spaciousness in which you can unpack your shadow self and you will find commonalities with the people that you think are so different, so far away from you. And as we begin to do that, we begin to come back together and we begin to function more as one. Over time and with care and with great love. I have some quotes for you somewhere underneath all of my dark side. <laughs> Debbie Ford wrote a book. You might want to write it down if you're struggling with your own shadow self. It's called The Dark Side of the Light Chasers. And it's a book that, it, that helps you to explore your shadow self, to identify it, and to figure out how to deal with it. It's called The Dark Side of the Light Chasers. And the author is Debbie Ford. She says, Your life will be transformed when you make peace with your shadow. The caterpillar will become a butterfly. You will no longer have to pretend to be someone you're not. You will no longer have to prove you're good enough. When you embrace your shadow, you will no longer have to live in fear. Jada DeWight said, I embrace my shadow self. Shadows give depth and dimension to my life. I believe in embracing my duality, in learning to let darkness and light peacefully coexist as illumination. When you think about that, that the, the candle can't glow without the dark behind it. You can't see it. Dark and light existing in peaceful uh, illumination. 
Peggy Spears said, when enforcing our boundaries, first and foremost, we are caring for ourselves, but we are also helping others to have a clear understanding of what we consider acceptable behavior. We are reflecting back to them what is not acceptable and therefore providing them an opportunity to consider that information and make necessary changes. C.G. Jung said, how can I be substantial if I do not cast a shadow? I must have a dark side also if I am to be whole. And finally, another quote from Debbie Ford. She said, please remember that pleasing another is not the same as caring for another. <laughs> 